Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Well, good morning, Passion. Aren't you glad to be in the house of the Lord today? What amazing God we serve. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are to deny what the Lord can do? Amen. We need to realize that there is nothing impossible for our God. We need to come to the realization that God can do all things. Miracles, healing, deliverance, freedom, joy, peace. Stop denying what God can do. Stop doubting what he desires to do if you only allow him. Who needs a miracle today? Raise your hand. Amen. If you'll stand in agreement with me, I'll stand in agreement with you that whatever that miracle is that you're believing for and asking for today, I believe in God's going to do it in your life. Do you believe that? Healing, deliverance, freedom, financial blessing, help in your marriage, your children to come to know Jesus Christ, whatever it may be, let's stop denying what God can do and start believing anything is possible for Him. Amen. We start a new sermon series today called Influencers. Before I get to that, I want to remind you we have Easter coming at the end of the month. In your chair, there's cards. It's prayer cards. and This is what we want you to do. Write down five names of individuals that you know that don't go to church, aren't saved. And for Easter, you're going to invite them to come to church with you. You're going to invite them to come that day and hear the gospel, the good news. And we're believing that friend of yours, that neighbor of yours, that co-worker, on that day is going to give their heart and life to Christ. Now again, do me a favor. I don't want somebody from another church. They chose to go to a lesser church, not as good as this church. That's on them. That's their fault. Amen. So let's just leave them at their secondary church. I don't want you to invite someone from another church. I want you to invite the lost, the unchurched. And I'm believing on Easter. Souls will be saved. Lives will be changed. And here's, I'm a mathematical genius, okay? So get ready. This is deep what I'm about to tell you. You ready? Hold on. If every one of you just invited one person, you ready? We would double in size. If this preaching thing don't work out, I'm going into math. But pastor, why is that so important? Because I'm believing on that day, half of you are saved, redeemed. We're coming to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior. And I believe the other half don't know Jesus, but before they leave, they will know Jesus. And we're going to impact Oklahoma City and Bethan with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So write down five names. You be praying for them. We'll be praying for them. We're interceding. You're interceding. And then do whatever it takes to get them to church. Amen. Tell them you take them out to lunch afterwards. Tell them you'll clean their house. Tell them you'll mow their grass. Listen, if you've got dirt on them, 
bribe them. Amen. Tell them. If you don't come, I'm telling everybody what I know. Hallelujah. And at last resort, if that doesn't work, pop your trunk, push them in, and drive them here. And when you go to jail, we'll pray for you on your way there. But let's come. I listen, we've got a great service in store for Easter Sunday. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be fantastic. Life-changing. Amen. Something that happened in 2010 that hasn't happened in 5,000 years. In 2010, they banned fishing in the Sea of Galilee. Never been done before. In fact, we, we know that in the times of Jesus, in biblical times, that Josephus, the great historian, told us that there would be around 230 boats on the sea. But in 2010, they banned fishing. The reason they did is they had about depleted the fresh water that was there. And because the fish were almost depleted, the few fish that were left were getting diseases. So they banned fishing. When I read that story, I, I began to think about Matthew chapter 4. How Jesus has called us to be fishermen. And I thought for a moment how wonderful it would be if we didn't have to fish anymore. Because all the lost fish in the sea of this world have been saved, redeemed. In fact, for a moment, a tear almost came to my eyes. Oh, how wonderful of a knowledge that we didn't have to go reach lost anymore. We could just, just sit around and praise God. I'm not naive enough to believe that's probably going to happen. But I do wish this. I wish that we as the body of Christ would do everything we could to make it happen. I want to talk to you today out of Matthew chapter 4. And I'm going to talk to you about being an influencer. Even take it a step further about being a fisherman. Now, if I could be honest with you, I'm not a fisherman. In the sense of catching fish, I don't understand it. I just sit there and fish from the bank. And Let me take that back. If I catch them, great. If I don't catch them, it makes no sense to me. For you fishermen, I'm sorry. Forgive me. But I'm one of those that it's just, I'm not patient enough. But although I may not be a great fisher of fish, there is no doubt, no wonder that God has called me to be a fisher of men. And I've had to learn to be patient. It says in Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were cast in a net into the lake. I want you to hear this part. This is more important than you can ever imagine. For they were fishermen. How many know that we are who we are? And we have to be who God's called us to be. 
By the end of this sermon, I hope you come to a realization of this. You are a fisherman or fisherwoman. It's in your DNA as a believer. It's part of your skill set as a follower of Christ. But the biggest problem is most of us have the skill, the tool, but we don't do it. He said, come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. This is also important. At once, they left their nets and followed him. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the word that we're about to receive. God, I pray that every heart, every mind to be open to receive, God, what you've got in store. Lord, let not one, not one, not one leave this house the same way that they came. But let them leave blessed by your word, your presence. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. As we look here in Matthew chapter 4, we find Jesus by the Sea of Galilee. We use that word loose when we say sea. It's actually a fresh water. It's about 13 miles one way, 7.5 miles the other way. The Sea of Galilee was shaped kind of like a, a harp or a pear. 85% of Jesus' ministry was around the Sea of Galilee. And as Jesus is watching, he, or walking by, he sees these two brothers, Peter and Andrew, and Jesus walks up. The, the Bible says that they are casting nets into the water. And as they're fishing into the, the shallow end, they've got a net that call a, a, a sea end that they will throw in there, and you pull it tight, and it grabs fish and pulls them back out. And Jesus walks up, and, and as this begins to talk to them, and says to them, Follow me, and I will make you fisher of men or fisher of people. This becomes an example for you, for me, for all of us. That we are called to be fisher of men. To go after the lost. To make it our heart's desire to see men and women come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. If I were to probably take a poll today and ask you to raise your hand, how many of you have this week brought someone to Jesus, told someone about Jesus, shared the gospel, I would be very interested to see how many hands are up. Probably not many. Maybe the last week or the last month. Maybe, maybe we'll go a little further out, Sean. We'll go this, this year. But I would dare to say there would be some of you that I would say, how many within your lifetime have you brought to a knowledge of Jesus Christ as Lord and as Savior? And I would dare to say that there would be a huge percent of this congregation that has never done it. I, I'm not telling you this to shame you or to embarrass you. I'm, I'm not doing that. I'm saying because I think many times as believers, and I'll say this, especially many times in the Pentecostal realm, we, we many times put that secondary to everything else when truth be told, it should be primary in our walk with Christ. Freely we have received, freely we give. That if we believe in the God that is in us, why would we not share it with others? And, and let me say this, I think most of the time because we just don't know. 
We haven't been taught. We've been taught how to do other things in the church, have good altar times or, or how to use our manifestation gifts or all these other things we've been taught, but we just haven't been taught how to share the gospel. So today, I want to share some things with you about how we really become fishermen. And it's three simple facts that you need to know how to become a fisherman for Christ. Three questions that you need to ask yourself. Here's the first one. Is there bait on your hook? Is there bait on your hook? Now, I decide to go fishing here. I'm going to try to cast this out into the audience. And with this hook, would someone catch it when I throw it out there? Y'all ready? Now, if I'm going to go fishing, I can't just take the rod and I just can't take it with the hook on the end. I've got to make sure that I've got bait. I've got to have bait. And listen, let me say this. The right kind of bait matters. The, the right kind of bait matters. Now, if, if I'm going fishing and I've got to have a worm to fish, if I'm going fishing for men, then I've got to have the right kind of bait. What is that? It's your story. See, many times the reason why we struggle in being an influencer, being a fisherman for Christ, is many times we struggle because we think we had to be theologians or, or scholars we, we think we had to know as, as much as the Bible is, as Richard is here today. He's been a, he was a pastor most of his life, and he knows the Word of God. He knows it inside and out. And we many times think, well, only the pastor knows. And he's the theologian. He's the scholar. He knows everything about it. The problem is God told us just to, to be a witness to, to tell our story. See, there are many out there that we don't understand. God has given you a story. Maybe something God brought you out of, delivered you from, broke an addiction off your life. Maybe a healing took place in your family. See, all of us have a story, a story that needs to be told. And, and, and many times we're holding inside. In fact, the story that you many times hold inside becomes a memory and memories will fade. But a story that is told and repeatedly told, a, a story that we have, in fact, for years before we had all the ability we have today, a way that a story was told, it was passed down from generation to generation, from family member to family member, and that's how the story was told and kept and remembered. See, for us here today, you have a story. I have a story. It's the bait that God has given me. Not that I've got to know everything about the Bible. Not that I've got to be a, a scholar or a theologian or a professor. But a story of how God changed my life forever. Of how I used to be this way and God has now made me this way. How I used to live in fear and worry and anxiety and I came to know Jesus and it broke fear off my life and I live in confidence and boldness and assurance in Christ Jesus. If I once was sick and, and I didn't know what I was going to do and the daughters have given me a bad report, but yet the Holy Spirit entered my room and the healing God came in and that day I was healed and delivered and I now walk in the healing power of God. We have a story. Some of you, you've got a terrible story. It's bad. It's bad. 
But can I tell you, even the bad stories need to be told because people need to see that no matter how bad you were or are, that there is a God that looks beyond your bad and sees the good that can be done in your life. See, there's a story in you. There's a story in me. Now, now let me go to the, the opposite side of that. I, I grew up with a, a young man. His name was Martin Jackson. He's a, he's a pastor now. We grew up in the same town in Falcon, North Carolina, the same church, Colbert Memorial, Pentecostal Holiness Church. And Martin was, uh, how do I say it? A goody-goody. He was a Cub Scout, a Boy Scout. He probably became an Eagle Scout. Martin never really did anything bad in his life. He was just one of those guys. He was a good guy, and I was one of those guys that I was a bit less good. And I'll never forget, as we got older, Martin said one day to me, he said, I don't have a testimony like you've got or others have. And I said, I beg to differ no greater testimony that you've committed your heart and life to Jesus Christ all your life and you've been serving him. In fact, I said, I really wish I had your story and I had your testimony because look, look what God has done in your life, how God has protected you and blessed you. See, we all have a story. Here's the second thing. Not only do we need to have bait on the hook, you've got to have the hook in the water. If I go fishing and I stand there holding my pole like this, I ain't doing good, good am I? I went fishing one time with a guy, and uh, he was a fisherman. I was not. I made this. Have you ever said anything you didn't mean it? Don't get all spiritual with me. You have. One day I just got into the church that I was pastoring, and we got to talking one day, and he told me he's a fisherman. I said, well, man, we have to go fishing sometimes. He goes, let's go tomorrow. <laughs> what do you do? I didn't mean it, but I can't back out now. He said, let's go tomorrow. And I said, oh, it's February. It's 25 degrees outside. Oh, that no problem. No Good fishing. You ever heard a fisherman say that? Good fishing. I said, well, you go fishing. I'll sit in the car and turn on the radio. But we went fishing, and I wasn't prepared, and I wasn't ready. And see, I'm, I'm, I'm a very impatient person. So I'll throw my fish out there. I'll throw my, you know, I'll put the hook in the water and I'll leave it there for about five seconds. If I don't catch fish, I pull it back out. What's wrong with my rod? I don't understand. When I put it in there, should I not catch it? And I thought, you know, fishing for a couple of hours. Not Harold. We were fishing all night. That's crazy stuff. So you know what I finally did? I just put down my rod. I was letting Harold know I was done. I wasn't fishing anymore. He could do all the fishing he wanted. And Harold was one of those guys. He would sit there and he would fish and he didn't move. Every once in a while he'd go. And that's how I felt. So I just put my rod down. Well, guess what? I didn't catch any more fish. And Harold just started catching fish after fish. Because my 
pole wasn't in the water. My hook wasn't in the water. See, first, you've got to have a story. The second thing is you've got to tell your story. You've got to let people know what God has done in your life. You've got to let people know. You've got to tell your story. It says this in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. But you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I'm going to make some of you Pentecostals mad today, okay? I know what you know, and you talk about it all. After the, you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the, we talk about tongues and all that, but can I tell you, don't talk about your tongues if you're not telling people about Jesus. Amen. I've studied the Word. I know the five instances in the book of Acts. I've studied the Word. We've got to go and search to make up that doctrine. I'm not saying it's not a good doctrine, but we've had to go search to make up that doctrine. But yet right here in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he said, Holy Spirit comes on you, you tell your story. But we'll do everything else but go tell people the story of what God has done in life. Maybe we're embarrassed. Years ago, I asked a man, I was, we were doing cardboard testimonies at the church, and I said, hey, I want you to give your testimony. He said, no, I won't. I said, well, why not? I don't want anybody knowing what I've done. I said, do you understand your story becomes freedom for somebody else? If you're not willing to tell your story, it's because you think you're too good to tell your story. Never forget where you came from because somebody else is where you used to be and they need to know that there's a way out, there's freedom, there's deliverance, there's a God that loves them and in spite of their sin and where they are, God can still love them and bring them out. And this is, let me tell you what I'm saying. We'll talk about the Holy Spirit sometime and all the great things that happen at the altar and the manifestations and what God does. And listen, I'm all for that. I believe in a good old Holy Spirit time of the altar. But let me say this. If we're having good Holy Spirit times at the altar, but nobody's getting saved in our church, there's a problem. If we're having Holy Spirit good times at the church, but people are dying and going to hell, shame on you. I, I, I was going to do a illustration today but I talked myself out of it because I, I was afraid I might have some PETA fans in here I was going to have a goldfish up here on this on the altar I'm sorry I like this is the altar on the pulpit and I was going to take the goldfish out of the water and just set them on here and let them die in front of you yeah look at it's terrible isn't it in fact Lord go buy me a goldfish I'm doing the third service because some of you begin all upset, be like, oh, save that goldfish. And I'd be like, save the people that are dying in hell going around you and stop worrying about the goldfish. Nancy said, You could pray for her. She's having some hard time over there. She likes goldfish. Do you see what I'm saying? But so when I talked, I didn't even do it. I just talked about doing it. Y'all are dying. You're like, oh my God, I can't believe he did that. It's a goldfish. Amen. Amen. We catch fish. Who cares about the goldfish? But because you're not willing to tell your story, there's someone dying. They don't know Jesus. See, first we got to know we've got bait and it's called our story. Second, we got to put the bait in the water. That means we got to tell our story. Here's the third thing. 
Where are you, are you fishing where the fish are? Are you fishing where the fish are? That, that Harold guy I told you about. One day he asked me, he said, hey, Pastor, you want to go fishing with me? And I said, sure. And again, I didn't learn from the first time. He said, I'm going to go pre-fishing. I'm like, what? Anybody a fisherman in here? Right there, do you pre-fish? I, I, I never heard that term. I'm thinking, don't, why don't I just go fishing? But if you fish in tournaments, you got to go pre-fishing to know where the fish are. Makes sense, doesn't it? So we went all around that lake in his boat. And to be honest with you, I just enjoyed the boat ride. In fact, after about five minutes, I'll be like, Harold, there's no fish here. Let's go drive the boat some more. Let's go to the other side of the lake. But by the end of the day, Harold had found where all the fish were. So when he came back the next day for the tournament, see, y'all call that pre-fishing. I call that cheating. <laughs> so the next day for the tournament, he knew exactly where to go to fish. Can I tell you something today? Most of us as Christians only share our stories and talk about Jesus in this pond. But most of the fish that need to be saved aren't in this pond. They're out there needing to hear the gospel of, of Jesus Christ. It tells us in, in Luke chapter 10, verse 5, when you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If, if someone promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there, and tell them the kingdom of God has come near. Right here in Luke, it lays out for us what to do. He said, go find a man of peace. In other words, someone that might be open. And tell them the story. The story of what God has done in your life. The Bible says we're to stay there and, and to eat with him. What, what does that mean? Stay there and eat with him and, and build a relationship. Can, can I tell you many times the reason why we're not reaching lost people is that we're trying to go to people we don't know and tell them about Jesus and it freaks them out. So what if I walked to you on the street or Mill Walmart and said, hey, you know Jesus? I would run and I love Jesus. But for many of us, we don't understand, just like fishing, you need patience. Fishing for men and women, you've got to have patience. And I've got to be willing not to, listen, it's easy to talk about Jesus here. It's easy to live for Jesus here. But we've got to go outside the four walls, and we've got to find the waters, the ponds where people don't know Jesus. And we've got to find that person. We've got to befriend them. Then the Bible says, meet a need. See, I still haven't told them of the gospel yet. I've just told them my story. I've befriended them. Now I'm meeting a need. Like this week, we had to move my son. And I wish I'd have had more friends like y'all. They could have helped us move. 
And then the Bible says, he said, heal the sick, which means meets a need. Then after you heal the sick, meet a need, then share the kingdom of God with them. Then share the kingdom of God with them. There's a world dying and going to hell. And if we don't share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, if we don't tell them about Jesus Christ, if we don't start fishing in ponds outside the church, listen, I get it. It's easy here. I get it. It it doesn't take much work. Everybody loves Jesus in the house. Everybody loves Jesus here. But there are people out there that don't know about Jesus. They're dying and going to hell. And if we don't share the gospel of Jesus Christ... It said, at once, they left. They left their nets, their fishing equipment, all they had known, and they left at once. That's an urgency. In 2018, my father passed away. I'd gone back to Falcon, North Carolina for the funeral. Early that morning, my mom comes and wakes me up. She said, John, Chris Spearley is here to see you. I hadn't seen Chris in years. To give you an idea, I went on and became a preacher. We grew up together from the age of probably, oh, seven years old. I went on to become a preacher. He went on to become a drug dealer. Had not seen Chris in years and be honest with you, when I walked out and there he was in the living room, it shocked me. He had a cane. Looked kind of rough. Walked up and we hugged and he said, man, I love you. You know, I had the greatest of respect for your father. In fact, he's the only pastor that I've ever loved or liked. We sat down and reminisced for a while about the old days of growing up in big metropolitan Falcon, North Carolina, metropolitan town of 498 people. Talked about where we were in life today and even talked about how my dad had taught him how to tie a tie. He finally looked at me and he said, John, I'm sorry, I just can't go to the funeral tomorrow. You know me, I can't go in no church. It'll probably burn down. But I loved you and your dad enough that I couldn't not show my respect. The whole time I'm talking to Chris, there's something welling up inside of me. Saying, John, tell him about Jesus. Remind him about Jesus. He heard the stories from your father. Remind him about Jesus. And I kept telling myself, he's come to pay respects. I don't want to make him feel bad. I don't want to disrespect him. We reminisce some more. Chris would walk out. I can still see him walking out the door of this different man that I remembered as a child cane in his hand 
even as he walked out the door, something yelled inside of me, tell him about Jesus. Chris would walk out the door, I would never see him again. Three months later, I would get a phone call from my mother. She said, John, I, I wanted to call you. They found Chris dead today in his bed. He passed away in the middle of the night. His face still haunts me to this day. friends and family neighbors and co-workers that need to hear the story of Jesus Christ they don't need theology they don't need doctrine all they need is your story of how a compassionate loving God your sins and your mistakes and reach down in the middle of your sin and pull you out. That's it. See, fishing is that simple. Me taking my bait, my story, putting it on a hook, sharing that story. And not waiting for tomorrow or the next day because they may never come. They may never come. The Lord led me to this passage and I'll close with this. They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Here in Revelation is talking about the saints that will come out of the tribulation that were willing to die would not shrink from death to share the gospel of Jesus and did it with two ways. The blood of the Lamb and their testimony. That's all the equipment you need. You've got the gospel, His blood that can wash away all the sins of mankind and share your story. Let me say this. I wish, I pray that every one of you would grab a hold of this sermon today and you would start sharing your story, the good news. But some of you will still be afraid, scared, introverts. Then can you possibly do me one favor?
if you're not going to share the story, if you're not going to spread the gospel, then can you at least invite him to church? Then I'll tell him my story. And I'll share my Jesus. But the truth be told, they got saved not because of my story or my my sharing of the gospel. They got saved because of your invite. Can you do that? Because if you can just invite somebody and I can share the story, it'll change their life. I want you to bow your head, close your eyes. How many of you have somebody in your life that doesn't know Jesus, that you know they need to hear about the gospel? I want you to raise your hand. Yes. Lord, I pray for every hand that is raised, that God, you would move on them to share the gospel. You would move on them to invite them to church. The Lord, let them not wait for somebody else to, to, to reach out to their friend, their co-worker, their neighbor. Lord, I pray today that you would put an urgency on their heart to, Lord, invite them to church at least or to share the gospel, their story. I pray right now, lay it upon the heart of this congregation that we may all become fishermen to tell our story, to share the gospel. With every head bowed, every eye closed, one last question. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.